Well, it is a big episode this week because uh, we are talking about a, a road trip. Now, we started off, we're going, myself and Herb, we went from the Gold Coast. Yep. We had Wyala in South Australia in our sights, yep. the Spencer Golf, uh, sitting there going, you know what? We're going we're gonna to enter the Big Red, the big snapper competition. They close it for a couple of months, yep. and then they open it up over Easter time. So we headed from the Gold Coast oh. down there, but we had to be prepared. Oh, huge trip. We were towing a 17-foot party pontoon. Um, you know, we had 2,900 k's each way to travel. A, a long way. Yeah, it was a long way. And it's probably not the boat that most people would go in the Spencer Golf fishing snapper for. No, we were the only ones in the Gulf at that time, I'd say, in a party pontoon. <laughs> uh, we had 4X stickers all over us, so we sung out to the uh, to the marine police like, like you know, like a sore toe. But, uh, yeah, we did the journey. We we planned. We, we you know, I said to Spider, get, you get the spare wheel. I'll get some grease, some tools. We've got all the fishing gear we needed. And we set it off for yep. our 2,900-kilometre journey all the way across New South Wales, down into South Australia and across the other side of the Spencer Gulf to Wyala. Yeah, it was, and uh, even on the journey down there. And, um, you know, look, towing the boat, um, you know, you know what you're doing. I, uh, yeah. We had the vehicle. We kind of stopped off at places. What I love about this was because, look, at this time... I had friends in the industry of Forex. Yes. So I could get a couple of cartons of Forex for free, and I hooked this up without her knowing. No, <laughs> I was oblivious. We, we went every 400Ks or whatever. I hooked it up with a mate and said, look, mate, can I just call into the, the Grafton Hotel and grab a box of Forex? Yep, yep, yep. And then about 400Ks more, you know, yep. towards, uh, you know, Innisfail and go through all there. You know, if I just drop into there, can I grab another carton of Forex? Yeah, 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 no worries. So I had all this planned. This is my preparation. Yeah. Anyway, we're driving along. We pull into the uh, the first one. I'm like, oh, g'day, Spider. Yep, grab your box of Forex. And Herb's going, oh, gee, how good's this? This is a great trip. <laughs> and <laughs> I wasn't driving. Nah, you are sitting in the back. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a few hours later, I said, oh, gee, we better get another carton. Yeah. Oh, and pull into another shop. Oh, g'day, uh, Spider. Another you want a carton of Forex? Yeah, that'd be great. And Herb's like, oh, my God, can you do And I told him I can do it at any pub in Australia. And it, he's it like, was, I'm not going home. It was quite amazing, <laughs> I tell you. After four days of it, I did not want to look at a Forex stubby <laughs> for a very long time. But I suppose let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Yep. Now, obviously a big trip like this, a lot of planning. So, you know, we've got a dual-axle trailer hanging off the back of the car. Uh, said to Spider, pick up a spare wheel, you know, bring some tools just in case we're going along the desert, you know, out yep. through the desert. We only got about 350 k's into our journey of 2,900. And as we pulled over, as the sun broke over Tannerfield, we got out to, uh, you know, relieve ourselves a little bit on the on the journey. And as I looked in the back, I said to Spider, you got a spare wheel? He said, yep. As I picked up that wheel and looked through the centre of it straight at him, <laughs> I said, where's the bloody rim? He just bought a tyre. So we had 2,650 kilometres to travel, plus getting home with just a tyre, no rim. So I don't know what we're going to do with that. It's not a push bike. It's a bloody car, <laughs> boat trailer. But uh, that was just the start. But, yeah, we made it, you know, pretty much all the way. to. We picked up a couple of your friends at uh, 
Tamworth, just down yeah, at Tamworth. Just down at Tamworth. Uh, and we had to be uh, late keep it. That's it, late keep it. Late keep it, which is a, uh, a little freshwater, or not a little, a big freshwater lake yeah. there. It's uh, massive. But, yeah, picked up a couple of mates. And then, uh, yeah, it was interesting because, um, you know, you have to be careful driving too. Like driving oh. all those areas. They're saying, you know, you're looking at the kangaroos, but they reckon kangaroos are on moving. They reckon the worst one to hit is goats, and there's hundreds oh. of goats. I've never seen so many goats. And we did hit a roo. Yeah, uh, coming out of Cobar there, and the goats was amazing. And from Cobar West, uh, I've seen more wildlife than I've ever seen on the side of the road. It was crazy. Yeah, uh, we didn't try to travel too much at night, but that ended up being the case in some circumstances. But uh, yeah, that last bottle stop at Broken Hill, that sort of <laughs> that got me over the hump of getting through this journey because it was two days, two days of massive driving. And yeah, uh, yeah, well, that's the that's a thing with Australia is that. Um, it's big driving. It's if you want to go and, uh, you know, we've interviewed a lot of people on the podcast. Uh, yep. You know, Tracy, who, you know, from South Australia, drive up towards Carnarvon in WA. Like, they're big Ks. Oh. It is big Ks. And people don't understand that, you know, when you start getting into Central Australia and, you know, you're doing five, 600 Ks before lunch, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And you've got five or 600 more to go. But, yeah, it is a beautiful country to drive through. I must admit I'd never driven a drive like that. Yeah. I'd never been that far. I don't think I'd been as far south as Byron Bay. So this was a bit of a journey for me. But as we rolled into Wyala, didn't the eyeballs start rolling, Spider? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, had, we were the only ones with a party. We're lined up at this boat ramp, probably about 30 deep. Yeah. Because over there, the comp... So the first night, we went and met a few of the fishing club boys. We went back to the pub and stayed there. That was all good. The next day... That boat ramp was 50 boats deep. Easily. And you weren't allowed to leave until the buzzer went off and then everyone starts putting their boats in. So people were camping in their boats all night at the boat ramp. Well, you've got to think that, you know, that area has been closed for snapper fishing for a long period of time as well. So this is probably, this is one of the premium competitions of Australia. Biggest snapper comp in Australia, Spider. And these people, they catch big. Spencer Golf was renowned for massive big snapper. I'm talking 10, 12, 13 kilo fish. Yeah. Massive big snapper. Uh, and these guys are very passionate. We found that out. Yeah. First day of fishing. I had, we had no GPS. I think I had my handheld GPS. We had no sounder. <laughs> we had nothing really. Like we've gone down. I've taken a few points off some people. We proceeded to run the seven or eight nautical mile northeast to a spot called the Mud Hole. There was no shortage of boats there. Probably would have been 50, 60 boats anchored up on this patch. We've pulled up there. The water was magnificent. One thing with the Spencer Gulf, it's perfect one minute. And it's deadly the next. <laughs> oh, my God. We proceeded to, as we were fishing away, having a few beers. We had our sober driver. And, um, right, you know, how are we looking? It's getting around 10, 11 o'clock. Well, the wind came up. And of all the worst places, came up in the direction. From, we were, you know, northeast of the boat ramp. A southwesterly blew up. So we had to punch back into this 25, 30 knot southwesterly, <laughs> eight mile back to the boat ramp. There was waves coming over the whole pontoon, the moto. You couldn't even see it. It was buried. I've got to stick my hand up to Honda. I mean, that motor ran impeccable. And at one stage, I could not see the motor from water. Yeah. So it was a submarine. But we got back. Yeah. It was right then and there that I realised we're in the biggest snapper comp in Australia. 
I've come down here with Spider Everett. At the time, I thought he must have got some fishing. You know, he's done some fishing over the time. No, he hadn't done any. He's played football, you know. I'd only known you for about four or five years by then. He's got this boat. I'm thinking, yeah, he's going to be able to fish. By the time we got back to the ramp that day, I realised that Spider had no fishing capabilities. The two <laughs> blokes we picked up from Lake Keep it pretty much had no fishing capabilities. Nah. And I was left to sail the ship. Uh, it was straight away then I knew Spencer Gulf's renowned for squid. Yeah. Renown you, try, you, you try at one stage. You tried to put a balloon on. Remember we tried balloon? Yeah, that was day two. Right, yeah. So day one, we're still out there. We've yep. got back to the ramp. It's gotten a bit calmer. We're protected. We proceeded to catch a lot of squid. Yeah, heaps of squid. Heaps of squid. We got about 40-odd that day or something. So we've kept the feed. We've cleaned them all up. You know, I got inked all uh, We get back to the land. It's good Friday. We're staying at a pub. Pub's not open. I've never been more devastated in my life. Yeah. We got back there. Well, we got nothing to cook it on. We got nothing to cook it on. There's a rusty old barbecue. We had nothing to eat. We had no oil. Had nothing. We had no crumbs. We had nothing. We had nothing. So we've proceeded. Spiders uh, done the old. Leave it with me. He's rung up the local Chinese shop. They don't have days off. No. They don't believe in Good Friday, the Easter Bunny, or whatever. And that's cool because that gave us an opportunity to get something to eat. Well, we we I rung him and I said, "Look, <laughs> we've got a heap of squid here. Yeah. If you if we like." Give you a little bit of squid. Yeah. Will you cook it up for us? You know, because we can't cook it. Will you cook us a little bit of um, salt and pepper squid? Yeah. Satay squid? Oh. White bean squid? Yeah. And I said, we'll buy some beers and the rice, and then we'll wheel and deal on the rest. Yeah. And he goes, oh. He said, oh, were you here last year? <laughs> I've gone. Yes, yes, we were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Come through the back door. Yes. <laughs> uh, Herb, you knock on the back door. Oh, this bloke, he, he opens up the little esky, sees about 40 squid tubes. His little eyes opened up. We got the best seat in the house. Well, it was the only seat in the house because no one else there. Uh, we sat around this big table and we proceeded to get a banquet of squid dishes. It was unbelievable, it, wasn't it? It was the, the best feed I've ever had. It was unbelievable. We proceeded to drink a, a lot of beers while we were there. <laughs> we drank him, we <laughs> drank him dry. <laughs> <laughs> but he did end up, we gave him 44 tubes. He probably only put about five into our dishes, so he yeah. had a fair bit. To, anyway, day one goes off without a hitch. Never caught a snapper. Still two days to go. Yeah, we're still Look, alive. Looking good, we were. Looking good. By then we thought, no, we can put the boat in at Point Lowley. Yeah, different area. Different area. Closer to the, the, the big one of the big massive jetties out there at Point Lowley that delivers coal or whatever they deliver. We got a bit of information off a bloke about how to fish for these snapper up there because different where I come from. It's not the same. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. When you move impoundments or, or river systems, everything's an, another learning curve. Oh, absolutely. Everywhere's different. Everywhere's different. So this spot, we couldn't anchor close to the jetty. We were miles away from it. So we got a bit of advice. If you tie your sinker and your bait and you, and you put a uh, lifesaver, them little round lollies. You, That's right. Yeah, we tied a bit of cotton to that to a balloon and the lifesavers took two minutes and 45 seconds to dissolve and then your bait would drop to the bottom. So here I am letting out Because a balloon would go with the With the current. current. And it would take your sinker and your bait as far as you needed it. As, and if you didn't want to go any further, you hold it. The lifesaver will dissolve and your bait will drop into the vicinity where you want to catch your fish. Amazing. 
Yeah, it was a good technique. I thought it was a great idea. I think we heard that from Jeff Ware. He was the uh, he was running the the fishing club. Yeah, you got a good memory. Good bike, absolute top bike. So we're trying this, and uh, I'm letting out all my line, and I thought we're in the vicinity. Well, the balloon kept going, my baits dropped down. By then, I had no line left on the reel anyway. So if I got a fish, I was probably destined to lose it. But still, day two comes. We hadn't caught a fish at that spot. So we proceeded to go over to the, you know, another little spot where we thought we were in the right area. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until the police pulled up <laughs> alongside us. And I thought, oh, dear. I'm second day in, three, four days, two days of driving, second day in, I'm fishing. I've had a couple of beers. I was a skipper for the day. I put my hand up. I got a bit nervous when they came over. But they came over, had a yarn, and then proceeded to guide us to where the best fishing spot was and said, we've got a sounder on board, fish here. Oh, sweet. So they didn't pull us over as such. They tried to help us catch yeah, a snapper. Yeah. We got a shark. We got a shark. We still didn't catch a snapper. No, no. So we put the pontoon back on the boat. We did hand out a few beers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To the locals, yeah. you know, a bit thirsty. We are sharing the love. Yeah, we were sharing the love. We were chucking cans at people. Catching them in their net. Catching them in their net <laughs> so they could have a good cold beer. Day two comes, we've gone back, put the boat on the trailer, gone back into Wyala. We had nothing to do, so we put the boat back in and went squidding. We proceeded to get a lot of squid. I'll tell you what, it is clear water there. I've still got oh. some vision of, um, you know, unbelievable, remarkable, beautiful, just yes. clear, 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 clean water. Absolute beautiful water down there. A little bit cool, oh, but yeah. the squid were a plenty. We were squidding yeah. in three to six foot of water. You could see them. They were eating each other. We are getting two at a time. So that day came, I proceeded to keep a few tubes and, and bag them up and put them in the esky and I'll take these home, you know. And then the third day came and I think we just went squidding. Yeah, I don't think, I think we're out of the race to win the snapper comp. We haven't even stage. caught one yet. <laughs> and we're seeing, the thing I love, because, you know, with all comps, you go back to the, uh, you know, you go back and see who's caught fish and they've got it, the leaderboard. Yeah. You see all the different ones, okay. And you, you know, we were cleaning squid and everyone else is cleaning snapper, yep. but that's okay. We, we, just, <laughs> we knew our limitations in the party pontoon. Yeah. But on the Saturday night, uh, I think, remember we went to the, the boat, the boathouse, the, the club. Yep. The boat club, and uh, we had a few there. They had the raffles and yeah. everything like that. And then uh, you won an award. I did, didn't I? Yeah, you won the uh, the bourbon cup. The, That's yeah, right. <laughs> For the most amount of bourbons drunk. Yeah. Or something like that. I don't know. So they gave you a cup, and then uh, you get a, did a massive speech in front of everyone. To, yep. Thank you very much. This is the proudest day of my life. It was. Winning, winning a cup for drinking too much bourbon. It's, <laughs> it's the only thing I've ever won in a fishing comp spider. Um, yeah, won the cup. And, yeah, well, look, it was a great journey. We did come home with a few squid tubes. Yeah. Where I invented the... Squid cordon bleu recipe, which I don't know why I call it cordon bleu because it's got no ham and cheese in it. But anyway, um, yeah, well, then we proceeded to drive back. So we. Do you remember what happened on the way home? No. So we've driven all the. We've driven home. We've done the uh, four, two and a half thousand kilometres, dropped uh, old guys off, you know, the mates off at, at Lake uh, Keep It, yeah. At Lake Keep It, and we've continued on. Oh. And, and we've come up. Here we are. I'm driving. Herb's just uh, just having one. No, we weren't even drinking at this stage. No, and we were tired. We'd yeah. been driving a long time. Yeah, and we were coming through Grafton. Absolutely. I there remember. Was this, there was this guy hitchhiking on the side of the road, and we're like, oh, 
like we've done it. You've hitchhiked everywhere. Had I hitchhike everywhere. So it's like, you know what? There's two of us. Let's give him a ride. Let's pick him up and yep. see what he's doing. So we pick him up and he's an international. He's from Europe somewhere. Yeah, I think. Yeah, somewhere over that way. Yeah. Russia somewhere or something. Yep. And uh, we said, oh, you know, where are you heading? And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm going home in a few days. I want to go to Byron Bay for a few days. Yep. And then I'm heading back to Europe. And I said, oh, well, what have you been doing? And he goes, well, I've been living with my cousin out in the bush. Yeah. So what do you what do you mean out in the bush? He goes, oh, I've been here for a couple of months. I come here a few years ago, and we just go out in the bush, and we just live out in the bush. We make some huts out of uh, trees and whatever, and we yep. just live out there, live off the land. I was like, what do you mean? So you just eat? What do you eat? And he goes, well, it's easy. He goes, we all we do the night at night we go and clear all the road. Yep. And then the next day we walk the road. And we know what's fresh with roadkill. I know. I could not believe this. he was. He was eating roadkill. He was serious. And we said, no way. Yep. And he goes, absolutely. He goes, that's all we've eaten. We've eaten roadkill for the last two or three months. And he was eating echidnas. Yeah. Whatever was dead on the road. So he's not killing these animals. No, no. It's whatever's already dead. Exactly like right. A, like a Skippy Vindaloo or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and, and we pulled over. Remember, we said, oh, mate. Uh, like you, that's unbelievable. You're you're in our books. Like that yeah. is just like Legend pulled status. over. We jumped in the back. We grabbed a heap of cans. Yep. And we said, "Mate, get on the beers." Yeah. And we end up having a few beers yeah. with him all the way back to bar and <laughs> dropped him off. He was the most fascinating person I'd ever talked to. It was amazing, wasn't it? Uh, just live off roadkill and been there for months and months and months. Yeah. And it cost him nothing to live like that. I think it was like a farm stay or something. Yeah. Some something like that. But yeah, they'd go out in the afternoon, clear off any dead animals off the road for a five kilometer stretch. They'd go back to that place in the morning and whatever was laying there went straight in the pot. Oh. And that's how they ate. That like there's And he wasn't lying. No. Nah, dead serious. Dead serious. He oh. reckons a kidna was beautiful. Now I'm not <laughs> saying go out knocking a kidna on the head and eat it. Um, you know, they have their right place in Australia, whatever. But uh he was eating it, been hit by a car, and that was probably the most fascinating story we heard on, <laughs> on the whole way to Wyala and back. This poor bloke eating roadkill while we've been uh, travelling Australia. But look, we, we did make it back, though. We made it back. We made it back. Didn't need the spare tyre, thank God. Didn't have a rim anyway. <laughs> Um, we didn't catch a snapper in the biggest snapper comp in Australia. Uh, we did bring home a lot of squid tubes and they were quite tasty. So yeah. all in all, it was a great trip. Uh, I, had, I had a great time. It was a success. It was a success. Without success. It was a success <laughs> without success. So there you go. Fishing comps and big journeys don't always go to plan. But when you're with the one, the great, the one and only Spider Everett and he's teed up a sponsorship from Forex, I guess nothing's going to go to plan, is it, Spider? <laughs> well, it's time for another Ask Me Herb. And Herb, this is from Jenny and also Jeff. Jenny and Jeff, great combo. Yeah. yeah. No, in Tasmania, around the lakes. But they're saying, what do you do with all your fish frames? Yeah, this is a good one, Spider. It's not just fish frames. It's uh, it's crab shells. It's it's prawn heads. If you've been prawning and you cry back in the prawn bodies, uh, obviously you're filleting a fish. You've got a frame left over. So I used to freeze all my frames, put them in plastic bags, use them for crab bait. Yep. Now, that's fine. So I'll usually keep enough frames in my freezer for one run of crabbing. Uh, when I don't want to put any more in, I will boil my frames 
and make a stock. So any veggie ends that you've got left over, carrot ends, a bit of celery ends, whatever, chuck it in a pot, boil the fish up, slow boil for a long period of time. With fish, you don't want to go too long. Once that stock gets rich and, and silky, um, you can scrape off any of the excess off the top, strain all the stock out, freeze that in litre bags, and there you've got beautiful fish stock for cooking rice in or paella, paella or, or whatever, you know. Chowder. Chowders. Oh. You know, we did a mud crab stock the other day where we put in a bit of the, some flathead frame. We put in all the mud crab shells after we demeated all the crabs and eaten some. Uh, we boiled it away back in the pot and just in some fresh water, put in some, you know, a, f- a heap of herbs and, and flavoured it up a bit. And we got one of the best, smoothest, silkiest, rich crab stocks I think I've ever tasted. We used that then in a fish chowder. So we put mud crab meat, prawns, a bit of the flathead, you know, some scallop meat into all a heap of veggies, used the stock then to reduce down in, in a roux and made a thick, creamy seafood chowder. Oh. It was amazing. It was amazing. So uh, it, it, fishing doesn't end with just taking the fillets off and chucking the rest away. Utilise your, your frames for crab bait. Utilise them for stock. Cook the frames up, whatever you need to do uh, to try and get it, maximise your, your, your quantity yeah, yeah. Of, of intake or, or food or whatever. Uh, crab shells the same, prawn heads the same. Do Make you eat it, the prawn head? I love a crispy prawn head deep fried, yeah. either crumbed or whatnot. Yeah, you can't beat that. Sort well, I of stuff. one at a Cantonese restaurant the other day. There was eight of us, and there was a, the prawn heads. Like the yeah, two pieces. One was the head, one was the body. Yeah, and no one would eat the head. And I said, "That's the best part. Yeah. Nice and crispy and yeah. crunchy and beautiful." Ooh, good. You know, I, I heard a bloke say to me the other day. I was at work uh, up there, and. Um, a bloke came in because I work in a fish and tackle shop and uh, we was talking about whiting fishing and whatnot. And I said, oh, they'd be a bit slow at the moment. He said, that's all good. He said, what I don't use, because he pumps his own yabbies, right? Yeah. So little yabbies that crawl around the sand. He goes, what I don't use in bait, I cook them. I said, you cook your yabbies? He said, Everyone laughs at me. Now, this is the thing about what we do. We're enlightening everybody's information for everybody to hear because I've tried this and it is spectacular. Takes his yabbies home, he purges them. So he goes into a clean bucket of water, back into salt water. He keeps them alive, but he's just getting all the sand out of them. He pats them off with a paper towel. He throws them in a bit of flour. They're still alive, mind you. You probably could cool them down a bit if you wanted to put them out of their misery. Rolls them in a bit of flour, salt and pepper and shallow fries them. And they're like a pork crackle. Really? Yeah, a yabby. You wouldn't think about it. You eat the whole lot, get them crispied up, and they are delicious. Just like pippies. You eat pippies from the beach that you yeah. use for bait. They're delicious. Purge them again, oh, get not, the sand oh, out. I'm not convinced with pippies. They, it's a big Kiwi thing. They love them over in New Zealand. Uh, they put them on the barbecue and just put a little bit of beer on them and when they open, they eat them. But I'm not convinced with the pippies. Yeah, I, I thought the same. I've cooked them in, in butter and garlic and whatnot and, and they're all right, but more so better in a fresh pasta. Yep. You know, like a, a nice fresh pasta, roll your pippies around a bit of butter and garlic and that, toss them amongst your pasta and they're they no, are quite delicious. They're no muscles. They're not muscles, Spider, but they're the Aussie muscle. <laughs> That's what I like, yeah. Aussie muscle. Um, but, yeah, so I can go as far as you can utilise everything 
because we don't keep everything. We've got bag limits. We've got under, you know, size yeah. limits. So you have to throw fish back. So that's a good thing. We're not keeping too much. Everything you take home, utilise the lot. Utilise your fish for crab bait. Then you use your crabs to eat and use your shells for stock. It's a big circle. Someone told me the other day, um, Heidi, your missus, she said, if, if you're shelling a heap of prawns, you know, Christmas lunch or yep. you know, over Easter or whenever you're having your prawns, when you've got all the shells and everything, put them in a bag, put them in the freezer. Yep. And if you, if you are throwing them out, if you don't want stock or whatever, yes. put them in the freezer. And when it comes bin day, then put them in the bin. Don't put them in the bin a week before bin day. No. Because they'll reek and you'll never uh. get rid of it. So put all the, all the leftovers in the freezer. And then when it becomes bin day, then take it out and put them in the bin. She's a smart cookie, my missus. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, me too. So I had never seen it done that yet, but that's cool. It's a good, uh, <laughs> you know. A good it's, tip. Yeah, it's a good tip. But yeah, there you go. Utilise it for stock. Uh, use it for crab bait. Put them in the freezer and put them out on bin day if that's what you need to do. When you've got too much stock and everything, it, it, you put a heap under your veggie patch. Yeah, so I, if I had no room in the freezer for crab bait, I would, uh, as I'm pulling veggies, I would bury fish frames, you know, a foot deep in the garden. Now, this is the – it's fish compost. It's it, it The worms love it. It, it you know – Creates, goes back into the earth. Yeah, blood and bone. Blood and bone, exactly right. And it works. It works a treat. I just did a new veggie garden where I planted a lot of old fish frames in there and, and that will last slow-release fertiliser for probably six to nine months. So it does – there's so many different ways to utilise – Is that what you could use carp for? You use carp for that. They make um, fertiliser out of carp. So carp, you're not allowed to let go here in Australia. No, no. They're vermin. Are you allowed to take them home to bury them in the garden? Yes, sure. As long as you're more than 10 metres from a bank of a river. Yeah, yeah. So you can't obviously bury a carp or a noxious fish uh, too close to the edge of the river because their eggs can live over time and will come back and regenerate. I don't know how that works. I'm not a scientist. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's the case. So, yeah, anything like that obnoxious fish, bury them in your veggie patch. You know, any frames that you can't use or don't want to throw in the bin, bury them under your favourite fruit tree. Bury them, you know, because you go to your drip line of your tree, you dig a little hole under that drip line, throw a few frames under there, bury it back over. That fish will feed, uh, that tree will feed off that. So you're feeding your lemon tree, you're feeding your veggie garden, you're making stocks for later. You know, you, it's, it's so much that can be done with it instead of just thrown away. There you go. What a great tip, Herb. You're you, making sense. Yep, making Finally. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, yep, utilise your uh, off-cuts and, uh, yeah, be good to the environment. Well, it's another great episode. Make sure you do tune in next week. We're going to India, fishing in India. It is an amazing part of the world. It's amazing what they catch. And also, for some reason or another, Shering brings the anglers hotline. Oh, no, I look forward to that. Ah, well, stay safe on the water. Over.